Well, greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we gather here on this Easter morning, an Easter morning different than any that we have probably ever experienced before. As many of us are cloistered in our homes during this pandemic, hopefully we can sense the Lord's presence with us as we gather here by video uh, to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to begin with a time of prayer. Then I want to read from the Easter story for you. And then I want to share a couple of uh, things that I hope will make a difference for you this Easter. First of all, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we rejoice this Easter morning as we hear again those wonderful words. He is not here. He is risen. As we recall the empty tomb, we realize that our faith is not in vain. In this moment that you raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you put your hand of approval on all that he taught, on all that he did, and all that he promised. And especially we remember this morning that he promised that in his house were many rooms and that he was going to prepare a place for each one of us. We pray that uh, the truth of the resurrection this morning would just sink deeply into our hearts, quickening them with the confidence of eternal life. We rejoice that the sting of death has been removed and that we uh, now don't have to fear death, for now it has become a doorway into greater life for each one of us. May this assurance that our faith is not in vain give us a holy confidence, not just this Easter morning, but every day. And may the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead work in us and through us as we yield to his life-giving power. Lord, some have come uh, to this place this morning the same way those women came to your tomb on that first Easter morning. They love you, but their faith has been tested and their hope has grown dim. And Lord, I pray that you just touch their hearts and renew their faith at this time. Others are going through trying times in their personal lives and things seem dark and hopeless to them. I pray that you would speak to them words of encouragement this morning, reminding them that as dark as Good Friday might seem, Easter does come. That as bleak and overwhelming as their circumstances may appear, you can make a way, Lord. You can just speak a word and make a way because all power and all authority have been given to you. And Lord, we take time this morning to lift up all of those who are suffering from uh, uh, this uh, dread disease that's going around, this uh, COVID-19 virus. We pray, oh God, that you would uh, touch everyone with your healing grace. And Lord, you have it within your power to just say the word and cause this to disappear. And we just all want to agree that you are going to turn this around, Lord God, that you're going to just cause this disease to just disappear. 
and that uh, you'll just cause all things that have happened that even seem bad right now to work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. But while we are in isolation this morning in many, many different ways, we pray that you will be with us and that you will speak to us through the days ahead and this morning as well. We pray all these things through the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray as we pray together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen well hear these words uh, that we find in the gospel of john the 20th chapter we're going to be reading the first through the 18th verses. And if you have your Bible there with you, uh, I invite you to just take your Bible and uh, thumb through to the 20th chapter of John and join with us as we read verses 1 through 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping, and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came, following him, and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. 
Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. May God add the, his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Well, as we look at this Easter story, what we find in the Gospel of John, we find two things that Mary experienced that are meant for every one of us this Easter. First of all, she experienced the power of the resurrection. In an instant, it was real for her, and her life was changed forever. Several years ago, after the Easter morning service, a lady asked her pastor as they were shaking hands and going out, so what happened to Jesus after the resurrection? And then the... Uh, a uh, pastor said, well, uh, he spent some time with his disciples and then he ascended into heaven and now he's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And he's still alive. And she looked funny and she said, Jesus is alive? He's still alive? And the pastor said, why, yes, of course. When he was raised from the dead, he never died again. He's alive? I knew he was resurrected, but nobody ever told me that he was still alive. And so she ran off just excited. And the pastor checked with her later on in the week and discovered that she had spent three days calling people, telling them this wonderful discovery that she had made that Jesus is alive. Well, that's a wonderful discovery whenever you make it. And I pray that if you haven't made that discovery, that this will be the morning that you do. Do you really know the power of his resurrection? Or like this lady, is it just something that uh, you talk about and have never really latched on to? It is incredible when we really consider the power, the incredible power that we find just manifested here at the resurrection. Even death cannot hold sway over anything that the Lord releases from it. You know, one day I discovered a carpenter bee that had gotten into our house and had died, and I showed it to my little grandson, Isaiah, who was probably about four at the time, and he was just fascinated with this bee, and 
He didn't want me to throw it away or do anything with it. He had me put it in a bottle. And he would sit this bottle in different places, and we'd find it moved around from time to time. And then finally one day, he brought it into my office, and he asked me if it could fly. And I explained that no, it can't because it was dead. And he looked at me, and he said, fix it. I said, I'm sorry, uh, what did you say? She said, he said, Peepaw, fix it. I said, oh, no, no, I can't fix that. He said, yes, you can, Peepaw. You're a good fixer. You can fix anything. Well, that shocked me, and it humbled me, and I had to explain to him that there are some things that I cannot fix. And that's the truth. There are some things that I will never be able to fix for Isaiah, for my other grandchildren, for my children, for my wife, for my church members, for my brothers and sisters in Christ. But let me tell you this, I know someone who can. His name is Jesus. And there is nothing that he can't fix. Now, in this story, right off the bat, we see him fix Mary's broken heart with just one word. Did you notice that in the passage? All he had to do was speak her name, and everything was okay again. Her heart had been broken. You see, Jesus was everything to her. He had given her a new life of purity and freedom from what must have been a tough, tough past. He had cast seven demons out of her, and she had followed him as a disciple. He was her teacher. He was her rabbi. He had words of life and affirmation for her that no one else had ever spoken to her. He had given her back a sense of self-respect and worth and purpose in life that she never knew she could have. She loved him deeply. And then she saw him die. And that broke her heart to see him, the one who meant so much to her, to suffer so, and to die. And yes, her heart was broken. And then this morning, this morning, it was doubly broken when she found the tomb empty and that she couldn't even have one last moment of ministering to him in love by preparing his body for burial. The Bible, uh, it's translated weeped here, but that word that we translate weeped means wailed. It's there's a different word that used for a soft cry. This is a word that means to cry, to cry out loudly. She wailed 
in grief from the bottom of her heart. It was a wail of brokenheartedness and despair. And then, with one word, her broken heart was healed. Now, some of you may be hurting terribly this Easter. You may have a broken heart. You may feel all alone due to this social distancing stuff we're going through. You may be hurting financially because of this pandemic or because of other things. You may have gotten bad news from the doctor. Someone you love and depend on may be in a bad spot. With just one word, Jesus can change everything. There was a Roman centurion with a very ill servant that believed this, and he told Jesus, you don't have to come, just say a word. And so that's what Jesus did. He just said a word, and the servant was healed. With the words, Lazarus come forth, Lazarus received new life and came out of his tomb. And in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, we're going to see all the forces of evil gathered together and preparing to attack. And he speaks a word. And they're all just obliterated. They're gone. The resurrection makes it clear that there is no power greater than the power of our God. Mary discovered this in the depth of her despair, and you can too. And if you don't know this, may this be the Easter when you discover it. Now, there was something else that she discovered that morning, and something else she experienced. She experienced a newer and deeper relationship with Jesus and her Heavenly Father than she ever imagined. Notice what Jesus says to her here. He said to her, stop clinging to me. That's the first thing he said. Now, I, I, I just, I've never really thought about this before. But as we said, her heart was broken. She was in despair. The one that she loved was gone. And all of a sudden, he's here. And he's alive. And she grabbed hold of him, and you can. he says, stop clinging to me. She was holding on tight. She wasn't ever going to let him get away again. But she had to. And so he says, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But then listen to what he says. Go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Now first, stop clinging to me. In the upper room, he had told his disciples that it was expedient for him to go away. 
it was to their benefit that he leave them so that he could be closer to them than he had ever been before by sending the Holy Spirit which would partake of him and give it to them. The Holy Spirit would be a very personal point of contact and connection between God and every believer through Jesus Christ. He told them he had to go away. He said that it was important so that he could be closer to them. And he lets them know that he is about to finish what he has been telling them for at least a year that he was going to do. First, he was going to Jerusalem. He was going to Jerusalem to be crucified. He was going to be killed. And then he was going to be buried in a tomb. And then on the third day, he told them he was going to rise again on the third day. And then he told them he was going to return to his heavenly Father and send the Holy Spirit to continue to guide them and be with them. He made it clear that the Father and the Son would both be with them through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, that it would be a closer relationship than they had ever, ever had with him before. And during that Last Supper, he made it clear that his blood was going to be poured out for the forgiveness of sins. He had said this in different ways leading up to this, but at the Last Supper, he made it clear. Basically, he said, if I don't die, you can't really live. And so now Jesus tells Mary Magdalene on this Easter morning, go tell my brothers I ascend to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Notice he tells her to go tell her his brothers. Up till this point, they've been disciples, they've been friends, but now he says, my brothers. Something happened in the cross and in the resurrection that has brought them into a different relationship with him and with them. And notice that Jesus has gone through a lot for them. You'd almost expect him not to want to have anything to do with anybody that caused him so much pain, so much suffering, and yet he was going through that pain and suffering just for this very moment where he could call them my brothers. A new relationship had been born through his suffering and his death and his resurrection that could never have come about if it wasn't for the cross and the grave and his rising from the dead. You see, the cross and the empty tomb have brought about an earth-changing, an earth-shaking thing in how we can be related to God and to Jesus. From this point on, those who believe that Jesus has risen from the dead 
and receive what he did on the cross for them can now become children of God and brothers and sisters with Jesus. You see, the forgiveness of Good Friday isn't an end in itself. There's so many people that are misled into thinking that it's all about the cross. The cross is integral to what had to be done. The cross cannot be turned away from. The cross cannot be ignored. But you see, the forgiveness of Good Friday, which we need, which we must have, isn't an end in itself. It's meant to be the means to an end. And that end is the new creation which started at Easter when Jesus came triumphantly from the tomb. At the center of all this is a new family that we will be a part of forever. Do you see how deep this really goes? My brothers, my father, and your father, my God, and your God. The cross made this new family relationship with God possible because Jesus took on everything that stood between us and God. John talks about this in the very first chapter, the beginning of this gospel. And he says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. You see, not everyone is a child of God. God wants everyone to become his child. And he gives us the power to become children of God. His resurrection power comes forth when we receive him, when we receive Jesus. It says again, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, the resurrection seals the invitation by God to come to him through his son. Later, after his gospel, in his first epistle, John writes these words, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us because it didn't know him. You see, our God, the God who can handle anything, he wants you to be his child. 
You know, in 2013, the world in tears watched a viral video of 15-year-old Davian Only, an orphaned teenager who had been in 35 foster homes by then. He uh, stood behind the pulpit at St. Mark's Missionary Baptist Church and pleaded for someone, anyone, to adopt him. He was dressed in his best suit, which was too big for him. And he stood at the pulpit saying that he wasn't picky. They could be black or white or purple, <clears throat> young or old, mom or dad. He said, I just want someone to love me until I die. He said he was growing impatient, but he wasn't going to lose hope. He said, I know God hasn't given up on me, so I'm not giving up either. In response to this plea that went out, his foster agency received thousands of inquiries from people interested in giving Davian a home. And finally, the person who had been his caseworker for 10 years, Connie Going, who had two biological daughters as well as a son whom she had already adopted out of foster care, entered her application for his adoption. And it became final April the 22nd, 2015. She said, I want him to know he is unconditionally loved for who he is, the way he is. She said, the changes he chooses to make in his life and the choices are his to make. As a family, we will be there through it all, the good and the bad for our lifetime. He is home. And you know, she meant those words. At the end of the school year in 2018, Davian graduated from high school with his forever family cheering in the audience. Let me ask you, have you searched for unconditional love and acceptance from the world only to be turned away time and time again? Are you still searching for the moment when you will be claimed by someone who promises to love you no matter what? In our hearts, all of us, even those from loving, nurturing families, long for a forever home. That longing is that longing is just placed there for us. A place where we can be unconditionally loved and accepted without any fear of rejection or abandonment. Not just until we die, as Davian hoped, but truly forever. Now that kind of security and that kind of love is available. It comes from God, and He is the only place that you will find it. Many of us can attest to the fact that we've searched many other places, and it was only when we finally responded to God's invitation that we discovered that we were truly home. 
His offer for adoption is for every single soul who longs for that kind of acceptance. Jesus made it possible for you to be acceptable through the cross. And on Easter morning, he issued an invitation to you. And he issued an invitation to me to become a part of his truly forever family. The way it's put uh, by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians is like this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And then he says to the Galatians in the fourth chapter, the fifth and sixth verses, God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now I have two questions for you as we close. The first one, have you become his child? If you haven't, there's no better time than Easter. There's no better time than right now because you see, there's no more preparation needed. There's nothing you have to do to get ready. Jesus has taken care of everything to make it happen. He went to a lot of trouble for you because he wants you to come home. He wants to be able to call you sister or brother. The only thing left is for you to respond to the invitation that he's given so loudly and so powerfully through the cross and the resurrection. And if you'd like to do this, just pray this prayer along with me right now. Just bow your head and pray. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. And thank you for rising from the dead to offer me eternal life in your family. From now on, I want your God to be my God. And I want your Father to be my Father. Thank you for accepting and receiving me as your brother, even when I thought I was unacceptable. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, welcome to the family. It's good to have you as a sister or a brother. Next question. Is there something you need your Heavenly Father's help with? Remember just how powerful He is. And remember how much He loves you. If there is something that you need His help with, from the, if, you, if there's anything you need from the Heavenly Father who loves you so much, if there's anything that you want Him to help you with, Let's pray about it right now.
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, there are many listening today who have needs that they can't do anything about. Many of them are just right at the end of their rope. And they may not know where their next meal is coming from. They may not know what's going to hold their marriage together. They may not know uh, just how much time they have left to get something done. They may have a loved one that's far from you that needs to come home. Whatever their need, as they name it now before you, I pray that you will meet them exactly at their point of need and speak the word that is going to bring healing and help and wholeness and hope to them. I invite you in prayer now just to name whatever your need is. Father, you've heard the needs. And I pray in Jesus' name that you'll meet them. Thank you for answering prayers this day. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been good being with you, and I'll see you again next week.